Going back to that lost song, who is it all about? Jesus. Jesus. Oh, what did you say? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, you, yes, you, Jesus. So, I'm, I'm doing two things that I said I wasn't going to do tonight. One, I'm going to the New Testament. And two, the reason how I got there was I randomly opened up my Bible. <laughs> I, have, I have these tabs in here, and I wanted to reuse the tab. And so I just stuck it in a random spot in the New Testament. I knew I wasn't going to go there again. I stuck it there. Later on, I was like, I wonder what's there, right where I stuck the tab. I, and I can't pass it up. It's, it's too good. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so I'm going to start us off uh, in Acts chapter 8. You don't have to really turn there, but I'm just going to briefly mention it. So I'm not going to read it all either. I'm just going to just go through the story. So... The Holy Spirit directed Philip, who was a deacon, new deacon in the church, uh, to go to a desert place. And he went there and he found an Ethiopian, a eunuch. He was going along, going along in his chariot. And God tells him, go up, go over this chariot. So Philip ran up to him and, and he heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and asked him, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come sit with him. And the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. You recognize that passage? Yeah. Slightly different translation. It's Isaiah 53, we just read this morning. And so Philip goes on to... Uh, instruct him, and he opens his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, Isaiah 53, he told him the good news about Jesus. He was preaching the good news of Jesus from Isaiah 53, and through that, the Ethiopian gets saved and he gets baptized. Like, that's just a, a cool passage. So we, just, we just went through Isaiah 53, and here is someone uh, getting saved through Isaiah 53. Oh, I apologize. I said I wasn't going to do it, but I couldn't pass it up. It's a good one. So turn to Isaiah 55. That's where we're going to be at this evening. I am a simple man. As if you were, were at church on Sunday, you heard Tony speak. I'm going I'm to steal one of his things he said. I have one string on my guitar. I just have, I have one note. I'm just gonna I keep playing it over and over again. If you play, pay close enough attention to my sermons, sermons in general, or as I've been teaching this weekend, they all include elements of a pattern: God, man, Christ, and a response. If you paid enough attention to the series we've been going through, you will see the first main session focused on God his holiness, who he is, his character. The second focused a lot on man and how we are nothing compared to God. And the, the one we did this morning was on Christ. So if you've been paying attention for the last minute, what should the, the last sermon be on tonight? 
Response! There we go. Um, so that, that is what we're going to be focusing on, on tonight is, is the response. This, the, the pattern I, I just described, God, man, Christ, response, that's the gospel in a nutshell. Not to be confused with the gospel in a shell nut. But, but that's the gospel. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's the gospel. If, if you're struggling to remember what is the gospel, if you're trying to preach it to someone, share it with your, your friend, whatever, God, man, Christ, response. Those, those are the four main bullet points. In this final main session, we're going to behold our compassionate God. We have beheld God in his holiness, his awesomeness, and selfless salvation of us. And now we will behold him in his compassion. So let's read Isaiah chapter 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy, and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Let's pray. God, you are a compassionate God. You are good to us. You are full of grace. You care for every need. Lord, I pray that this evening we would worship you one last time in this, in this main session. That we would behold you in your compassion, behold you in your goodness, that we would heed your call. Help us 
to pay attention. Help us to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you hear the word come in there? You'll see it four times. We saw it four times. He says the word come, come to me. And there's similar words used in there another seven times, similar to the word come. I think God is trying to tell us something here. And he's saying it over and over and over again. Why does he keep calling to us in this passage? Do you know how frustrating it is trying to get something to come? It has to be one of the more frustrating things in life. You're trying to make a little person or an animal to just come. As a child, I was often frustrated trying to get various dogs to come to me. You know this. Yeah, I do. You mentioned it in the sermons before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, you tell them in a nice, firm tone to come, which inevitably translates to the dog, run away. Oh. Always. Run away as fast as you can. I spent many hours chasing after dogs who did not want to come. Eventually, I'd end up catching them and hauling them back to the house. It's just it's horrible, frustrating. One of my cooler childhood stories is trying to get a herd of donkeys to come. I'm not going to go into it right now. It was a cool story. I thought all those problems would end when I became an adult. I had a more authoritative presence than a scrawny little kid. Nope. Uh, Maybe my offspring, surely my offspring would respond well. It would come. Nope. That's how I spend my time now, trying to get my, my children to come to me. They don't want to. This is what staff is here for. They're calling to you each week. Come. This is why I'm up here teaching. Come. This is why the Bible is written. Come. We have a hard time listening and can stray from the path. The good shepherd, what does he do? He comes after us. He brings us back to him. He seeks us out. He wants us to experience his goodness. He wants us to be saved and to delight in his grace. In this passage, the Lord invites us with an earnestness. Who is the Lord inviting? So says everyone who thirsts. Those who are wicked and are longing for something more. In a sense, this invitation is to everyone. The whole world He's calling everyone. He calls, but not everyone answers. It's an open invitation to the whole world. In another sense, he has what is an effectual call. Verse 11, he says, My word shall not return to me empty. If, if you are his sheep, you will respond. If you are his child, you will eventually come. It might take discipline. My children eventually come to me. They can come to me right away when I when I call, come. And it's nice and it's awesome and it's cool. And then, so they can, sometimes they'll say no. And they'll run away, disobey. But eventually they come. Sometimes it takes discipline. You have to discipline them. But they come. One way or another, if you are his child, you will come. Do you feel that the Lord is calling you? Don't ignore the call. You're going to come one way or the other if you feel the call. Are you going to come, come kicking and screaming with the Lord's discipline? Or are you going to run to him 
and just run into his open arms. Don't ignore the call. He's calling over and over again. What are we being invited to? We are invited to be saved. You are a sinner. You are wicked and can do nothing to please God. Nothing to earn a spot in heaven. There's there's no amount of trying to be a better person, trying to be good. You You can't do it. That's not possible. You deserve to be punished, and I do too. And we are being called to salvation, to come to him. He is calling us to reject our sin, to live with him and for him. He is calling us to come to him. He calls time and time again. But there will be a day when it is too late. Verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. What does that imply? It implies that there will be a time when it is too late. There will be a day when it's too late where God will stop saying come. Instead, he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. He's calling you through different means. He's calling you through scripture. He's calling you through friends and family who are preaching the gospel to you. He's calling you through creation. We can see the splendor of his majesty in creation. He's calling to you over and over again. Are you ignoring that? When you die and you go before the throne, it's too late to come. Instead, you'll be facing judgment and paying for your sin. When you get to heaven, it's too late. You can't say, oh, now, now I want to come, now, now that I'm here in, in, in before the throne of God, and he's judging, now, now I want to come to him. It's, it's too late at that point. You have until you die or until he comes back. That's all you have. You don't know when you're going to die. It could be at a moment's notice. Our life is but a vapor. We don't know when, when our time is going to come. When I was younger, I, I knew God was real. I knew the gospel. My parents were Christians. They, they spoke the gospel to me. I knew it was real. But I didn't want to come. I didn't want to go to him and live for him. I was content living life for myself. I thought, well, of course I'll become a Christian before I die. At some point, I'll become a Christian before I die. And I've shared this testimony with you guys before recently. I'll share it again. Like, my dad, if you guys remember the World Trade Centers, my dad was there in New York, right next to the World Trade Centers at 9-11. He could see the smoke from the buildings as, as the planes flew into them. And he's right there, standing right there. And I don't, we didn't have cell phones and stuff back then. I knew he was there. And, he's, and the planes flew in and... and you don't know. Is he alive? Is he dead? And it has made death very real and sobering to me. You don't know when you're going to die. Those people walked into those buildings, World Trade Centers, thinking, I'm just going to go to work. I'm going to come home and spend time with my family or, or do whatever. They didn't know it was their time. They didn't have a second chance to come to the Lord. Like you, you don't know when you're going to die. Don't, don't wait for that day. You need to come to him now. Are you... Ignoring this call. Don't do it. Have you been going somewhere else in your mind this weekend? As I'm teaching, are you just drifting off? I don't want to, I don't want to listen to that to the gospel. I don't want to listen to what the word is 
as words being preached. You're just going in your own mind, being distracted, thinking about something else. Don't do that. Come to him. One day, he will not be found. He will not be near. If you are an unbeliever and you are waiting for a specific invitation from God, here it is. Come. That's what he's doing in this passage. He's calling you to come. That's your specific invitation from God to come to him. It can't get more specific than that. Come. We see, what is our satisfaction? What is our satisfaction in? The Lord appeals to the thirsty who have no money. Come to me for your water. Come to me for your food. After a long day of going on hikes around here or playing football, you really want a nice long drink of water, right? Nice hot meal. We got that. It's good. Didn't it feel good to like run to the cafeteria, drink that, drink that water, to eat dinner? The Lord is saying, if you're so thirsty, why are you getting down on all fours and drinking from that muddy puddle out there? What are you doing? Why are you digging through the garbage to find scraps from last week's group? Like, what are we doing? He's saying, come to me. Get the real thing. Drink a nice full glass of ice water. Eat some nice steak. This is what we are doing if we are trying to find satisfaction in other things from God. It's like we're drinking from a muddy puddle or eating garbage. You see that? We have a hole in our lives. Do you feel that? Do you feel that emptiness, that, that hole, that ache? You keep chasing after academic cess. And as soon as you get the A+, plus, what do you do? You try to get another A+. Plus. You just keep going. The A-plus is the highest achievement. What? You, you keep trying to get more A's, right? It's not satisfying just to get the A. What, what if you're trying to win a game? As soon as you win that game, what do you want to do? You want to win another game. You just want to keep going. It doesn't satisfy. Once you, about if you get like a trophy or an achievement, it's not enough. All you want to do is go on the next one and try to win that. It's never enough. There's This is playoff season for the football, and these teams are competing for the Super Bowl, the ultimate prize. You get the Super Bowl, get that trophy, hoist it up, say, yes, we won. Did they stop playing? Are they done now forever? They, they've gotten the ultimate achievement? Nope. They're back out there next season trying to get it again. That, that thing that they're chasing after, the things that we chase after in our lives, they don't satisfy us. They don't fill that hole. The joy and satisfaction that life promises is fake. You will always be left wanting more and more. The things in this life will never fill the hole that you have. Even good things, like a spouse, a friend, children, nature. These are all amazing things that the Lord has given us, and they're good. But if you expect them to make your life complete, you're lying to yourself. The big one, I feel like, is a spouse, especially as you're a teenager. You're looking for the perfect one. <laughs> you're looking for the future Mr. or Mrs. Uh, once, once you have maybe a boyfriend or girlfriend, maybe life will be so much better. Once I have a husband and wife, it'll be so much better. They complete me. 
That's a joke. They, they can't complete you. Another person can't complete you. You are two broken people. For you math people out there, what is negative one plus negative one? Three. For you non-math people, which is most of you, I guess, it's negative two. Why do we think someone else can fulfill us? It's, you're just broken. You're adding brokenness to brokenness. That can't satisfy. Or if you're finding fulfillment in something else, I mean, it's not a person. It's still broken thing in creation plus broken person. It's brokenness plus brokenness. That's not going to fulfill you. That's not going to bring value to your life. The only thing that can fill that void is God. Only God is a positive that can fill our negative. He is plus infinity. Listen to me, he says. Come to me. Hear that your soul may live. Find your satisfaction in God. Unbeliever. And, I, and I'm sure there are unbelievers in this room. Unbeliever, listen. Come to the Lord. Stop living your life for yourself and eating out of that garbage can. Drinking from those muddy puddles. Does your life seem satisfying? Are you left asking yourself, isn't there something more to life? Doesn't life seem meaningless? You're missing out on so much. You have a giant hole in your life that can only be filled with Christ. Stop trying to fill it with gaming or YouTube or pornography or sports. Boyfriends or girlfriends, self-absorption or anything else that just popped up in your mind that you're trying to fill that hole with. Come to Christ. Live for him. I promise it is worth it. Let the wicked forsake his way. Our God will abundantly pardon. He will never turn you away. Any big sin that you think that you have done, you have done. Anything that you think could never be forgiven, he will forgive. We already saw that we have a big, awesome, mighty God. Do you think your sin is, is too big for him to forgive? It's not. He can forgive any sin. Just come to him. That's all he's asking. Come to him. Don't, don't try to clean up your life. Don't try to be good to do good. He will forgive everything. All you do is come to him. Behold him. Worship him. For the believer, if you have already answered the call, the call that's awesome. You can taste and see that the Lord is good. That he does satisfy See to it that you do not forget. Don't return to the muddy puddle that you used to drink from. All right, I am reading a variation of Pilgrim's Progress to my boys at night. It's a good book. In this kid's version, Christian is a rabbit. Some little animals for kids. Uh, he's a rabbit. He has a hard time staying on the good path that the king has set for him. That's often us. As believers, we stray from the path. We fall into sin. We need to listen to the voice of the shepherd. Come. We need to return to him and seek his forgiveness and grace. Do you find yourself straying from the path? I use this example with my boys as I'm, as I'm in discipline. I'm telling them about God. 
You're nodding. You know this. I'm no. excited. You're excited for it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> good. And so, so I use this example of my kids. This is, this is the straight and narrow path. I know sometimes you'll do different ones. I picked this one, straight and narrow. It's the skinny one. My thumb is straight and I, I, narrow. I know. No. <laughs> skinny. So this is a straight and narrow path. And so this is the good path. This leads to Jesus. What you, what you did just then, and you, you didn't come to me, you, you disobeyed, you went on the broad path that leads to destruction, the crooked path. And that, that's what you're doing. We're to be on the good path, following Christ, following him. And we stray. We stray a lot. We go on the bad path. And then we need God to bring us back to him. We need to have correction so that we come back to the good path, back to Christ, go back to him. You will stray over and over again. We just need to listen to the good shepherd to come back to him. He is a good shepherd. He will go after us. He will bring us back to him. He says, come, and he would to return to him. Seek his forgiveness and grace. Are you laboring for that that does not satisfy? Are you concerned with things that don't really matter? I confess that, that I am. I easily get caught up in things that don't matter. I need to be reminded of what is really important. Come, behold the Lord. Gaze into his face. Behold his beauty. Drink. Fill yourself with him so you'll be satisfied. And don't go after a muddy puddle. If we're, if we're satisfied in Christ, if we're beholding him, and we look at that muddy puddle and say, I don't want that water. I'm already full. I've already drank from what Jesus has to offer. I'm not going to go after that. It's garbage. The Lord is compassionate. He patiently calls you and desires that you come to him. Let's look at the mind of the Lord. Verses 8 through 11. We see our sinful ways. In this section, we see that God is in full control. Our sinful thoughts and ways are not God's ways. Our hearts and minds need to change. We can't come to him, and after we've come, just continue living exactly the same. You didn't come. You're still disobeying. You didn't come. We must live as he wants us to live. Give up our formful, sinful way of thinking. It's hard. It'll struggle. It'll be a fight. But that's what we need to strive to do. Remember that as we behold God, we're to change and become like him. That's, that's the impact of beholding God. That's the impact of coming to him. We cannot come and stay the same. If your life looks no different than the rest of the world, then you're not beholding God. You never came to him. Our thoughts and ways are wicked. And the world will try to get you to think like it, act like it. We are to be different. We're called to be holy as he is holy. We're to be separate from the world. And we are to be becoming like our awesome God. We're to be like our selfless Savior. We can only do that by God's grace. We can only do that through the Holy Spirit. We can't do that on our own. We need him. We need his grace. And when you fall, you will fall. When you fall, he's there to pick you back up again. He's there to welcome you into his open arms. He's standing there saying, come, come back to me. Come to me. 
He will never turn you away. And we see God's mind in here. We will not know all of God's plans or figure everything out. And I know this can frustrate some people. You can't fully wrap your mind around who God is, his plans, his purposes. But all we need to do is come. Do you know how everything works in life? Do you understand God completely? You don't. And you won't. And that's fine. God is too big. He's too awesome. We can't comprehend him. Do you, do you want a puny God that you can just like wrap your mind around and understand, fit in your little box? That's not a God worth worshiping. You will never fully understand God. He's too awesome. He's too unlike us. We need to believe like a child. As we grow older, we start relying on our own thoughts more and more. You, maybe as a child, you just listen, blind, blindly listen to everything your parents said. And then as you just get older and older, a teenager, an adult, you start saying, I'm going to have my own thoughts. I'm not going to listen to them as much. And we're like that with God. As we become older and older, we just can lean on our own understanding. We tend to think that our own opinion is the only one that really matters. What we know and experience has more value than what other people think and experience. If you don't say that, you think that a lot of times. We live it. Do you really think that you're more important than other people? That's what our culture tells us. It's all about me. My, my opinion is the only one that matters. Just fight for yourself. No one else will. You fight for you. It's all about you. It's not, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about God. He knows all. He has given us all. Everything that we have. Everything that we know. We need to repent from our sin and believe Jesus is enough. It's all about Jesus. That's what we're seeing, right? It's all about Jesus. We see that the word will succeed. The Lord promises that this invitation will not be fruitless. That's encouraging. It will succeed. And I pray that part of it succeeding is you answering the call to come today. I pray for that. That you who are on the edge wondering if you should follow Jesus would come. The Lord doesn't throw out the call hoping that someone will come. Please, someone, come. Come to me. He is not like me chasing the dogs. Not fruitlessly hoping I can catch it. Hoping it will actually listen. When the Lord calls, he succeeds. If he is calling you, you will answer. And I pray that you feel his call today. You would feel it. You would come to him. As a believer, when you stray off the path and he calls you, I pray that you will go back. You will answer the call to go back to him. You won't be perfect. Once you, once you come to him, you won't be perfect. You will keep needing to be called over and over again. But every time, he's going to go after you. And you will return. That's amazing. He is so compassionate. Just 
Think about that. I was even been beholding the holy God, the awesome God. He humbles himself, right? He stoops down our level. He sacrifices himself on the cross for our sins. And you think, okay, at that point, we'll, we'll follow him. He's had patience and grace on us. And at that point, yeah, we'll, we'll return to him and go to him and everything be perfect and good. But it's not. We keep rejecting him even after we've been forgiven. We keep sinning against him. We keep defying the holy God. And think, okay, at that point, he already gave us a second chance and we blew it. But no, he keeps coming after you. He keeps chasing you. He keeps calling you. Come, come to me. He's compassionate. He is gracious. He is so patient with each and every one of us. I hope you see that. Like That fills you with worship. You just worship God. Just thank you. I, I know I can't keep your law perfectly. I, I know I can't just keep following you the way I should. Just thank you that you keep pursuing me, that you have extended your grace to me, that I'm fully covered. He is compassionate. We see the promise of the future in verses 12 through 13. This chapter concludes with the mountains singing and the trees clapping their hands. It is a promise for the future that one day creation will all be made right. It'll be perfect and holy again, as God intended it to be. All creation will worship our awesome God. Will worship the risen Savior. He rose from the dead. He has conquered sin. We can be with him forever, worshiping at his feet. Do you long for that day? No more pain, no more heartache, no more sickness, no more suffering or sin. Everything that is broken in our life will be fixed. No more tears. We get to be with God forever, worshiping him, beholding him. Everyone will see the pierced hands and feet of a selfless Savior. It will finally come to worship our God, one way or another. You will either worship him because you've been saved by him and love him, or you will worship him out of fear. You denied him, disobeyed him, thought he wasn't real, and now realize you're wrong. Regardless, you will give him glory, but it will be too late. The moment has passed. The invitation is over. You've had the opportunity to come to him, and it will have been too late. You will not enter glory. Instead, your future will be that of suffering and hell forever. Please answer the call now. Do not wait. Come to him. Those who have answered the call... Those who do love him, you will get to behold him in all his glory and splendor forever. We will join in with the angels singing, holy, holy, holy. On that day, we believers won't be able to contain ourselves. If the mountains and trees are getting in on the praise, as this passage says, you better believe we're going to be out there singing his praises at the top of our lungs. He is worthy of all our praise. He is holy. He is awesome. He is our Savior. He is compassionate. And He is our God. Do you long for that day? To sit 
in the throne room of the king. Go back to Isaiah chapter 6. Imagine you're sitting there in the throne room of the king. You're beholding him. I want to end by going, once again, going outside of Isaiah. To my favorite psalm. Psalm 103. This is my favorite psalm. It's just it's such a rich psalm. It shows God's grace and mercy in our life. And just as as we read this, give him thanks. Worship him as we read this. Psalm 103. The Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I pray that that causes you to worship as you you read that. You see some parallels to what we've been doing in in Isaiah in, in that psalm. I can't wait for the day when the wrong will be made right and the darkness light. No more sorrow and pain. Only Jesus remains. Behold our compassionate God. Lord, you're so compassionate to us in our lives. Help us to see that. Help us to see your grace poured out for us. I pray that those here who are not saved would heed the call to come. They would not put it off any longer. They would not ignore it. 
but they would come to you. We would all be able to join in praising you, worshiping you. You are a holy, awesome God. You have saved us from our sins. You have ascended to the right hand of the Father. You're worthy of all praise and glory. I pray that we would give you glory now as we turn to sing to you. That our hearts would pour out in worship to you in this song. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.